Hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 348 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. When it comes to skincare, there are an awful lot of products on the shelf, aren't there? There's also a lot of confusing information out in the world, and there are so many examples of women and men, but particularly women and men in the spotlight, who have seemingly found that magic elixir, that top secret way to not age gracefully, but to stop the aging process altogether. So what is the average person to do? What should we be buying? Does price mean anything when it comes to skincare? If we want to age gracefully, where and how should we focus our efforts? Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Mary Alice Mina about all these questions and more. She is a board-certified dermatologist, and she argues, spoiler alert, she argues that paring down your skincare regimen is better for your skin, it's better for your wallet, and it's better for the planet. So if you have been living on this planet for a few decades now, and you're still really darn confused about exactly what you should be putting on your skin each day, this is the episode for you. Dr. Mina, I am so excited to talk to you today and ask all my skincare questions. How are you? Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me on. I am equally excited to be talking with you today. Well, we're going to talk all about healthy skin and more specifically skin minimalism. But before we get there, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself passionate about skin health. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Mina. I am a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon, and I practice in Atlanta, Georgia, and I absolutely love what I do. I love talking about skin. I love taking care of my patients with skin problems. It really is so much fun. It's such a joy, and I frequently get the same questions or similar questions from patients, friends, families. It seems like as soon as someone knows that I'm a dermatologist, they want to ask me a question. And a lot of times it's, you know, what product should I be using? Uh, how do I stay young looking? Does this really work? And so I thought, you know what? I am going to start a podcast answering these common questions from the perspective of a true skin expert, uh, aka a board certified dermatologist. And it's been a lot of fun doing uh, solo episodes and then also interviewing some of my uh, really smart, talented colleagues as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the questions that you always get asked. I'm also going to ask those exact questions. I wanted to talk to you because when it comes to aging, first of all, we don't tend to age well here in the United States. We don't have many, like when we turn the television on or when we go to social media, um, the people that are on these screens, they are frozen in time. They are not aging. And so for the rest of us, for the average woman like myself, there's a push and a pull to stay frozen in time as well. As I, I'm now 38 and the age is definitely starting to show on my face. So tell me, what are we 
collectively, the masses here in America doing wrong? How are we not doing right by our skin? Let's yeah. start there. So I, I'm in the same boat as you. We're we're similar ages. I'm a little bit older, but you're right. It's things change and you know, you may say, well, I want to age naturally when you're 20-something, but then when you're in your 40s and you start seeing the reality, or you see these amazingly beautiful people um, on social media or on TV, it can be really hard to feel good about yourself and and age gracefully. So I think that means something different to everyone. But I would say the biggest problem we have is that we don't focus on prevention. We're so wanting a quick fix, give me a pill to have beautiful skin, or what one procedure do I have to do with no downtime, and then go back to my lifestyle where I'm not taking care of my skin or my body. So I would say that is our number one problem. We are not focused on prevention, and we often think about our skin health, or our health in general when it's starting to deteriorate. We take it for granted when it's working well and we're not having any problems. And it's not until you know stuff starts going wrong, you think, oh, shoot, man, I, I really didn't appreciate how well my, my knees worked or my, you know, how good it felt when I didn't have back pain. So I would say prevention would be number one. And that's something I don't see a lot of people doing, but it really is Number one, two, and three. So when you talk about prevention, first of all, my mind immediately goes to skin cancer prevention, but I'm assuming we're also talking about dark spots and wrinkles prevention as well. Is it too late for me as a 38-year-old woman to practice prevention? Is my Has my ship sailed? <laughs> oh, a- absolutely not. And it's never too late. It's never too late to change and for all things in life, right? I have patients in their 70s I'm giving this advice to. Uh, so it's never too late. But of course, the sooner you can start to think about it, the better. But you're sort of at a actually a, a good time because you're still, I would say, young. And you have a lot of years, God willing, right ahead of you. And so things that you can implement now can make big changes or have a big impact later on. So it is absolutely not too late. And I would say it's never too late. Okay, so then I have to ask you, you probably get this question all the time, but exactly what should we be doing when we think about prevention? So the first thing I would say is that we have to start thinking of our skin along with the rest of our body and not just as this isolated organ that works and functions on its own. Everything really works in unison and together. So it's hard to have really nice skin and prevent aging when you're not taking care of your body as a whole. And that can mean a lot of different things to people. But for me, at least it means making sure I'm eating well, I'm getting a balanced diet, fruits, vegetables, proteins, and fats, carbohydrates as well, and making sure that I am exercising, keeping my muscles working and staying active, and making sure I'm doing healthy lifestyle things like getting enough sleep and not smoking. I think if you're not taking care of your body as a whole, it's hard to have beautiful skin on the outside. It's unrealistic to 
think you're going to get a little Botox or put a little cream on and magically it's going to undo all those other bad habits we might be doing. And I'm not saying you have to go crazy, you have to eliminate all sugar or all, you know, enjoyable things in life. I'm a big proponent of balance, but first and foremost, you've got to take care of your body as a whole because what's going on on the inside is also reflected in your skin. Hmm. Yeah, your answer there echoes a sentiment that comes up a lot on this podcast, which is that quick fixes are often, not always, there are exceptions to every rule, but quick fixes are often, you know, based in instant gratification. And the long lasting fixes are often accomplished when we play the long game, right? And so you're not talking about, you know, just put this toner on or just buy this $200 moisturizer or just get this injection and all your problems will be solved. You're really talking about a holistic approach. You mentioned cigarette smoking. I think we all know that that's not so great for our skin, let alone other parts of our bodies. But what about alcohol? And I'm asking you about alcohol specifically because I recently finished uh, Dry January and I wish I took a before and after picture of my face because I look like a different person. So can we talk about exactly how alcohol impacts our face? Yeah. So that's excellent that you brought that up as well. And I would love to know what exactly did you notice in your skin or your face? What what were the things you noticed that looked different? The lines around my eyes, which were like craters, uh, appeared softer. I just looked, I guess, more hydrated, more dewy. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I know dewy is probably not a... <laughs> technical term, but hopefully you understand. I I know what that, I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great point. Not drinking in excess is key. Now, some will argue a glass of wine or two glasses for a man of red wine can have some health benefits, but again, it's all about balance. So if you are drinking more than that, and if you are drinking uh, certainly more than, you know, four or five drinks a night, then that's a problem for a lot of your your body in general. And it is going to reflect in your skin. You're not going to sleep as well. And you're going to be more tired looking in the morning and you're going to feel more tired. Your skin is not going to be as bright and healthy and rejuvenated. And you're also going to get very dehydrated. But you're absolutely right when you are drinking in excess, and it's not even as much as you think. For women, they say two glasses and men three, then it is going to show in your skin. And mostly because of lack of sleep, perhaps poor nutrition and dehydration. Well, we can't move on before we talk about skin cancer prevention. Tell me, what should we be doing to prevent skin cancer down the line? Yeah. And I would say this is, again, preventing skin cancer is also keeping your skin beautiful and preventing premature aging. So it's not just skin cancer. And in fact, when I see patients in their 20s and uh, even teenagers, I really don't um, emphasize the skin cancer component. I emphasize this is going to make you look older because studies have shown that that resonates more with younger patients than 
telling them about a skin cancer that they can't really understand, but they can understand, oh, shoot, I'm going to look way older when I'm, you know, 40, which is unimaginably old. But so I would say minimizing UV radiation from the sun is so key. And I wish more people really understood this or actually took it to heart. I still see so many people sunbathing, going to tanning beds, see so many sunburns when I'm, you know, out and about. And even though I think it's like smoking, people know that it's the the rays from the sun are are bad. It's hard to really put it into practice. But that that's a key for prevention, I would say, before any creams or procedures is just sun protection. And you can do that in a number of ways, but the sun emits radiation. So I know some people are worried about radiation from an x-ray machine or you know, an airplane, but really you're getting more cumulative radiation from the sun if you're not careful. So definitely is um, important for skin cancer prevention, but it is also crucial for preventing premature aging and minimizing collagen loss, keeping your skin more uniform and vibrant looking. So it's not just for skin cancer, but that is also a big component and why we recommend sun protection. Hmm. Yeah, Dr. Mina, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about the conflicting messages that we tend to receive in our society. On the one hand, we're told that tanned skin is more attractive, let's say, than uh, pasty white skin, which is (laughs) my default. But on the other hand, we're told that we don't want wrinkles, we don't want premature aging. And so then what are we to do? The answer sounds simple, but it it isn't in practice. The answer is to hop off the listening to the societal messaging, but that's really hard to do. And so when we get back, Dr. Mina, after our ad break, I'm going to ask you, what should we be putting on our skin? What products should we be using? Which ones can we leave on the shelf? We're going to get there after a quick word from our sponsors. Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. And we're back. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Mary Alice Mina. She is a board-certified dermatologist and the host of The Skin Real, which is a podcast all about skin health. 
Dr. Mina, we are now at the part of the conversation where I ask you one of those questions that you get asked all the time, I'm sure, which is, what products do we really need? And I I need a comprehensive answer because the products that are marketed to me, targeting me, they all are marketed in such a way that it's a quick fix. Oh, if I just give X amount of dollars, all my skin issues will be magically cleared. And I know enough to know about marketing that that's likely not true. So what should I be using? What do I actually need? Yeah, so you're you're so right. And it's so powerful. I'm not immune to it either in the skincare arena, but I would just say, take a second and, and really try not to impulse buy. And I wish I could just tell you, hey, if you buy this product... <laughs> You will, it will solve all your problems. You will look amazing. You will, um, you know, you will have beautiful skin. It's not quite that simple, but I can definitely give you some recommendations. I, I like to keep it simple. I do not use a lot of products, and people are really surprised when I say that. And it's because it's unnecessary. And what I believe in is prevention and using products that we know work that are effective. And I do do procedures like Botox and filler as well. I sort of am playing the long game like we talked about. I feel like sort of little tweaks here and there along the way can make a big impactful difference and can prevent you from that sort of weird ageless look that we sometimes see in celebrities of a certain age where you don't really know how old they are. They don't really look their age, but they don't really look Good because it's just so unusual. Number one product to get would be a sunscreen. And you want to get a sunscreen that covers UVA and UVB wavelengths from the sun. So the UVA wavelengths are going to be the long rays that actually penetrate through glass. So things like your car windows, if you have an office or sit by a window at work or at home, if you see the sun and you can feel it coming in, then you are getting exposed to those UVA uh, wavelengths. And I think people are surprised when they hear that, that what are you talking about? Rays can go through glass, but it's true. The UVB uh, wavelengths are actually blocked by glass, but the sun emits both of them. So you need sunscreen that protects against both. So make sure on the bottle, it will say something like broad spectrum sunscreen covers UVA and UVB wavelengths from the sun. That's first and foremost. The second is that you want to get an SPF of at least 30 or higher. And it used to be 15, but we really say 30 or higher. And then, of course, the follow-up question is, well, you know, how high? <laughs> you don't have to go crazy. Uh, it doesn't have to be SPF 100 or SPF 70. But if if I had to choose between an SPF 30 or 45, I would probably choose the 45 if all things were equal, simply because we don't apply as much sunscreen as we should. You know, no one loves feeling totally greased up and, and like they're wearing layers and layers of product. So we're not, most of us, I would say, are not applying our sunscreen as thickly as it should. And so getting a little bit higher SPF is going to help with that. And beyond that, 
that's really all you need for your sunscreen. And I don't care what brand you buy, whether it's from the drugstore, if you want to go spend hundreds of dollars on a sunscreen, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you want to do it and you like it, go for it. Do I think that's any more effective than a sunscreen from the drugstore? Absolutely not. However, if you, you know, you're not going to wear a sunscreen, you don't like how it feels. So that's really the most important. So when people say, well, what's the best sunscreen? I tell them, you know, the one you wear, the one that you like how it feels and you'll put on your face. And again, don't be fooled that just because you're spending a lot of money, you're getting a better product. The product's the same. The packaging's a lot better. Hmm. So much important information there, Dr. Mina. But I have to ask you, you know, on this show, from an environmental standpoint, traditionally, the word of advice is to skip the oxybenzone sunscreens. Um, Those chemical-based sunscreens are killing coral reefs. And so zinc oxides, the ones that tend to turn you white, are better for the planet. And I guess my question here is, are they also better for you? Are there any concerns that you have from a medical standpoint with the active ingredients in traditional sunscreens, oxybenzone included in that? Yeah, so that's a great point. And I'm definitely going to do a podcast episode all about this as we as the spring and summer comes around, because I get a, this question a lot and patients are confused and not not only about the the things that you mentioned, the coral reef and oxybenzone. Um, there's also been reports of benzene contamination and the aerosolized sprays. So there is concern with that. And what I I do not personally have concerns about those. Um, I believe these studies are all really new and have not necessarily been validated. But I'm open to hearing and seeing what comes of this. What I tell people is, if you are concerned about that then to stick with a physical sunscreen, one that does not have chemicals in it. And those are going to be your zinc and titanium. And they are excellent products. And nowadays, there are so many um, amazing physical sunscreens that will not leave that white, chalky discoloration on your skin. The physical sunscreens are excellent and wonderful. And if you do have concerns about the environment and your health, then by all means, please use one of those. Don't forego sunscreen totally. Just stick with a physical sunscreen blocker. And I'll just make another point. Sun protection comes in many forms. It's not all about sunscreen. And I'm a big fan of wearing or wearing sun protective clothing and wearing hats. So I am pretty much always with my hat when I'm outside. That's not hurting the environment. It's not hurting me. And I I wear sun protective clothing when I'm at the beach. And I also love this for my kids because it is very hard to apply sunscreen on wiggly, squirmy children who are sandy and don't want to be, don't want to have it reapplied. So I am a big fan of the sun protective clothing. I'm a big fan of just covering so that my skin is just not exposed to the sun unnecessarily. Quick plug for the sunscreen I use every single day. It's zinc oxide based. It's amazing. Kinship self-reflect for anybody who's interested. The best sunscreen in my opinion, and I've tried a lot. I'll link to it in the show notes for anybody who's interested. Let's move on to what else we should be putting on our skin. I'm thinking cleanser, a moisturizer. 
what is essential and what is fluff? Yeah, so you kind of named the essentials. So a cleanser is key. And people always are surprised when I tell them I use the Dove bar, beauty bar. I call it soap, but it's very gentle. We, we recommend it for babies and children. I tell people, look for something kind of bland, no fragrances, just simple. And it doesn't need to be fancy. Now, there are plenty of people who love like a foaming cleanser. They want an oil-based or a, a gel. And if you tend to have more sensitive skin, you may want to do a little more research on what works best for you. But it can be very simple. And if anything, I would encourage just a very simple, basic cleanser. I would not get one that has like a lot of harsh exfoliants or a lot of ingredients in it because that can be irritating to your skin. So something gentle, fragrance-free for sensitive skin, those are usually a good bet. Moisturizer, it really depends on what kind of skin you have. So when I was younger, my skin was pretty oily and I really did not need a moisturizer ever. And now that I'm getting into my 40s, I find I do need a moisturizer. So it will change what works for you now may not work in 10, 15, 20 years. But again, keeping it really simple. I know creams that smell good are really tempting, but you, again, want to keep it kind of simple, fragrance-free, sensitive skin, especially if you have sensitive skin. I do not have sensitive skin, but I still stick with a pretty, I would call it a bland moisturizer, but not in a negative way. It's something that I could put on my kids. It's something I can put on. It absorbs well. But again, something from the drugstore is more than enough. There's nothing special about paying a couple hundred dollars more for a moisturizer. And I would just say if you tend to have dry skin, you may want to stick with something that's a cream. And a lot of times they'll come in sort of a bigger tub. And then if you are on more of the oily side, you may stick with more of a lotion or a gel that will not uh, clog your pores and will blend in a little more easily. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking back to, you know, when I was in my 20s, I just assumed that price meant quality, not just in skincare, but in anything, right? Like if a sweater cost $250, I assumed that it was like a really great sweater. And if my face lotion cost $100, I'm thinking, La Mer. I thought if I just used La Mer, I would have flawless skin until I died. If I just like spent half my paycheck on that, then everything would be fine. But what I'm hearing you saying is that price may not mean all that much, not just in skincare, but in all the things. Using a high price tag is actually a marketing trick that some companies use to make all of us think that their product is more effective or better than everything else. So Thank you for mentioning that. Now let's talk about all the ancillaries, the toner, the, I don't even know what they are, the serums, the exfoliator, this and that. First of all, should the average listener with average, normal, not oily, not dry skin be using these items? And part two to that question is, is there any downsides that you've seen in your capacity as a dermatologist with using too many products? Yeah, so great, great questions. So everyone's skin is different. So 
you really need to think well, and I would say before you go out and just buy stuff, what are you trying to treat? What is your problem area that you're trying to fix? Because what works for your best friend or for a celebrity, it may not be what you need. So there are other kinds of products to try and things I do recommend. I am a, a big fan of vitamin A cream to use at night. And people know this typically as a, a retinol or a retinoid. And this is great for people who have acne. And then I find once your acne goes away, you can sort of transition to using it for anti-aging properties. And it's very safe and you can use this for the rest of your life. So I you know, have a compounded retinoid that we have in my office and I use a pea of that a couple nights a week and that's my nighttime cream. And it's going to be my nighttime cream probably for the rest of my life. So I think that's a very cost-effective way and has a lot of science and research and data backing it to show that it does increase collagen production. It helps with cell turnover. It just really does work to minimize the signs of aging. And I also just want to point out aging is normal, right? We're not trying to necessarily reverse this, all right? It just comes with... If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna live a long, full life, this is just what happens. But of course, we wanna look as good as we feel inside. And sometimes that doesn't always reflect the same. So again, I'm not promoting this anti ageless look. I'm just trying to help people age gracefully and look as good as they can for as long as they can. Another one I think that is effective if you need it is a vitamin C serum. I do like these. I do think it does help brighten the skin. If you have brown spots or discoloration, they have some good studies showing that it does improve that. Beyond that, you'll hear a lot of things about nicotinamide, hyaluronic acids, ceramides. And typically, these are already incorporated into products you're already using. So Look at your moisturizer, flip the bottle around and actually look at the ingredients in there. And you'd probably be su surprised to see, oh, well, shoot, it already has these other peptides in here. So I don't necessarily think you need to buy additional products to layer on. Hmm. I love everything you said, but I specifically loved your distinction between graceful aging, which is what I think we should all be striving for versus being frozen in time. <laughs> and speaking of being frozen, we can't say goodbye, Dr. Mina, before I ask you all my Botox-related questions. <laughs> um, Botox seems to be the instant solution to all my wrinkle problems. It's not cheap, but it's not inaccessible for a lot of people financially. It's what everybody's doing but are there any downsides? Well, I joke that it's a gateway drug because <laughs> you start with Botox and I would say 90% of people really like it. And then they're like, well, well, what else is there? Well, what else can I do? And I should, Botox is a trade name. There are other products out there. It's botulinum toxin. And when I was saying, you know, aging gracefully, that doesn't necessarily mean not doing little, uh, in my opinion, at least not doing little tweaks or little things along the way to help it out. I do think it, or I know that it 
brightens the face. It softens those kind of scowl lines that people get that can make them look angry or tired. And it is a great way to feel refreshed. And they've they've actually done studies that show that when you do Botox, it actually can stimulate collagen. And I also get this question, you know, is it preventative? And it kind of is preventative because I liken it to, you know, exercise, right? If you are lifting weights on your arms, you're going to bulk up that muscle. When you stop lifting weights, the muscle is going to atrophy or shrink because you're not using it. Same thing with um, muscles in our face, right? So if you're always scowling, you are going to start getting those etched in lines. If you are someone who is a very animated speaker, you are going to get more of those lines. If you get Botox, you cannot contract those muscles. And so again, those muscles aren't hypertrophying or getting bigger. But any downsides? Are are there any studies or any research into some sort of chronic health condition down the line? I've done my research and I haven't found anything, but maybe you have some inside scoop that I don't know about. (laughs) Thankfully not. So people have been doing Botox for, for decades now, and I am not aware of any studies of any harm from kind of chronic use. Uh, It's being used, in fact, just every day, it seems like there are new indications for it. Um, You know, of course, you can get bruising or you can get, you know, if it's placed wrong, droopy eyelids, things like that. But I guess the good and the bad news is that it's temporary. So if you, you know, have one of those side effects, it goes away. And um, unfortunately, for those who really like the effect, it also goes away. So it's not a permanent thing. So it it will always wear off and you never have to do it again if you don't like it. Well, Dr. Mina, why don't we wrap up by you telling my listeners where they can find more of you online and also what they can hear more of on the Skin Real podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. It's a lot of fun to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is the skin. And I can be found, my handle on social media is at Dr. Mina Skin. And my podcast is called The Skin Real, R-E-A-L. And I created it to just provide listeners with candid, real, factual, science-backed information about their skin, where I'm not selling products or selling procedures or selling something to the listeners. I am just having myself and my dermatology colleagues on talking about our areas of expertise because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about skin health and people have these unrealistic expectations about what a cream can do or buying this or this procedure and I just want to educate people on sort of the real skin truth. So that's what I hope I'm accomplishing with the skin reel. Well, I'll link to it in the show notes, listeners, for easy access. Dr. Mina, you've given me so much to think about. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Stephanie. It was a lot of fun. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 348. We have no ego tip today. I have no parting words. So I will see you on Thursday. See you then and take care. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.